Welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. Are you ready to get into it? So we've been in a series called, What Do You Believe? And uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, actually, I preached on being able to see and hear in the spiritual realm, distinguishing what's going on in the spiritual realm as a gift or discerning what's going on as a practiced and trained thing that we discern and practice up our spirit. And then I made a comment in there about repetitive prayer. So I had to sidetrack and do a week on repetitive prayer. But the goal was to go out of seeing and hearing in the spirit into angels and demons, some of the things that we can see in the spiritual realm. And so this morning, I want to talk about angels, angels, Uh, and angels are mentioned in 33 of the 66 books of the Bible, and they're mentioned 283 times. But the truth be known, I'll say this at the beginning, I'll say it at the end so you go home with it. Typically, the believer ignores the angel. Oh, we know all about the demons and what they're doing, but we seem to be ignoring what the angelic host is doing. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the reality, the tangibility, the realness of the angelic host in our life. And so I'm going to talk a little bit, first of all, uh, just basic information. So you got a, a groundwork to go from. So you know what we're talking about when we talk about angels. First of all, there are no angels that are naked babies with bow and arrow. Don't see it in scripture, just see it in paintings, but I'm not going for that. There are no angels that are, hear me out and don't be offended, that are your deceased relatives. We don't become angels. We do join the heavenly host, but not as angels. They're a created being that the scripture says actually a step higher than us, that we're a bit lower than them. Angels do not marry, it says in Luke 20. Uh, They don't even know when Christ is going to return. It says in Matthew 24, 36, but the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. And you're going to understand in a minute why that was included in that scripture, why the angels would even need to know because they play a role in his return. So it says, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son. Ooh, that's a big one. But the father alone knows when Christ will return. Angels are created beings. We learn in Genesis 1 and Nehemiah 9, 6. Angels possess emotions. They possess emotions. They have joy, it tells us in Luke 15 and Luke 2. Uh, They praise God in in, uh, Psalm 148. They have a will. In other words, they think. They have a thought process. In Revelation 5, an angel tells John, no, don't bow down and worship me. You need to stand to your feet. Don't do that. Uh, they are, um, they have a will so they can do that. They are a higher form of life, it tells us in Psalms 88, 5 and Hebrews 2, 5 through 7, that man is created a little lower than the angels. And we do not worship angels. We do not worship angels. Revelation 22, 8 and 9 and Colossians 2, 18. But there are different types of, of angels. They're not all the same. As a matter of fact, if you go into the Old Testament, this is something that intrigued me many years ago. Uh, when you hear the phrase angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you know who that's referring to? 
Jesus. That's a Christophany. That is what Christ is doing during the Old Testament times. Like before, we just talked about Jericho. Joshua, the night before, meets the commander of the Lord's army. And he says, are you for us? Or are you against us? He says, neither. I come on behalf of the Lord and what he's going to do. And that was a Christophany. Christ commanding the angelic host for their role, I believe, in pulling down the walls of Jericho. In Exodus 23, 20, behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him or he will not pardon your transgressions. If you're rebellious to this angel, he will not pardon your transgressions. That should be a hint of who he's talking about. Since my name, God says, is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. My angel, my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And yes, I pronounced every one of those correctly. And I will completely destroy them. You actually don't have to know how to pronounce them. You just say them fast. Who is he talking about here? I believe this is a Christophany. Why do I think it's a Christophany? Because he says this angel can or cannot pardon your sin. And an angel cannot pardon sins. Only Christ can do that. God says, my name is in this one. And God says, this is my angel. I think we're talking about Christ leading them out. Joshua 5, 13 and 14, the night before the battle of Jericho. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with the sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, rather indeed I come as the captain, the captain of the host of the Lord. The captain of the host of the Lord. Do you remember that when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was dealing with Peter and Peter cut off a guy's ear and then he goes to Peter and he says, listen, you don't have to do this. I could have called down legions of angels to rescue me. I don't need your help. He's the commander, the captain of the host of the Lord. And then there are actual types of angels that are referred to in scripture. We just talked about the references to Christ. Now, not that Christ is an angel. Christ is Christ. He is Jesus Christ, son of the living God, but he is referred to angelically in scripture. And then there are actual ones called out, the seraphim, the seraphim, known as the burning ones in Isaiah 6-2. Seraphim stood above him, God, each having six wings with two that covered his face and with two that covered his feet and with two he flew. Seraphim are a type of angelic being. The cherubim, cherubim guardian angels in Genesis 3, 24. So he, God, drove man out of the garden and to the, at the east of the garden, he stationed the cherubim with a flaming sword, which turned in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Cherubim are a guarding angel. Now we'll talk about guardian angels in a minute, but cherubim are a angel who guards. He guarded the way. If you'll remember on the Ark of the Covenant, there were two angels with wingtips touching that were placed on the top of it on the mercy seat. They were cherubim. They were cherubim. There's also angelic beings referred to as living creatures that worship the Lord God around the throne in Revelation 4, 5, and 6. Angels are sometimes referred to in scripture as 
princes. We've been kind of camping on this scripture lately. Daniel 10, I lifted my eyes and I looked and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with the belt of pure gold of Euphaz. His body was also like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet were like gleamed of polished bronze and the sound of his words were like the sound of a tumult. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding him for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came with me to help me, for I had been left there with the king of Persia. What was he talking about? The angel who had been dispatched to help Daniel said, I ran into the demonic presence in Persia, and there was a warring angel named Michael who came to help me with that king of Persia, that demonic force, so that I could come to you, Daniel. So there are three major angels that are listed out. There are three major angels. There are higher ranking angels. What is called an archangel, the archangel Michael that I just referred to. He's mentioned in Jude 1.9, Revelation 12.7. I'll talk about the Revelation scripture later in Jude 1.9. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, to the devil, the Lord rebuke you. Michael is a warring angel, and you'll see that later. He is an archangel. Then we have Gabriel. Gabriel is a messenger. Luke 1.19, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to bring you the good news. Gabriel came to Mary to tell her she would be giving birth to Jesus. Then we have a third higher ranking angel. His name was Lucifer. It's not what we call him today. We call him Satan. He was an angelic host in the heavens in a leading position. We believe maybe in worship because of Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 talks about how he was designed and how he was made. I'm not gonna read that. You can read that at home. But he was cast down because his rebellion and his desire to be like God or with God. And when he was cast down, a third of the angels of heaven were cast down with him. So if you're doing the math, that shows you something really cool. That there are twice as many angels in heaven as there are demonic hosts on the earth. They outnumber two to one. And guess what? The ones that outnumber the others by two to one, they're on your side. We'll talk about it in a minute. So why didn't, I get this question, why didn't God just destroy Lucifer when he rebelled? Why didn't he just destroy him and say, you're done, you're out, we're not gonna deal with that kind of uh, pride? I'll tell you why, because in, John, in uh, Colossians 1.16, it says that God created all things. And how does God create? He speaks. And in 1 Peter 1.25, it says the word, and when you go to the Greek and look at the actual word, word in that scripture, it's rhema. It's what does he say from his mouth? Not what is declared, what is written, what is already there, but what does he say from his mouth? The rhema word out of the Lord endures forever. Here's what I'm saying. When the Lord speaks and creates something, it reigns forever. It, it is forever. It will last forever because he has spoken it. So in Revelation 20:10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
Why will Satan be tormented forever and ever? Because God spoke to create him and the word of the Lord endures forever. So he will have to be tormented forever and ever. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, good, good. Listen, it's the same with you and me. You were created from the voice of God. Therefore, you will last eternally, either with that enemy Satan or with that beautiful, wonderful God. You'll spend eternity with whoever you're serving. You'll spend eternity with whoever you're serving. And while we were worshiping, the Holy Spirit said, there's three. There's three in the room that aren't mine. There's three in the room that don't know me. And I wanna say to you, whoever you're serving, whoever you're following, whoever you're currently with is who you will spend eternity with. But this is what God is offering. He's saying because of sin, because you have rejected him, because you have disrespected him, because you have ignored him, because you don't recognize who he is, you are separated from him. But that's not God's desire. God loves you. He created you. He's that perfect father that says, no, that's my kid. That's my kid. He doesn't want to let you go, but you're serving Satan and following Satan. And so he has to say, if that's where you want to spend your eternity, okay. But that's not what he wants. So he sends his own son to come to this earth and to die, to be punished to death to be punished to death. Why punished to death? Because if you spend your eternity with Satan, you are in death. If you spend your eternity with God, you are in life. Ah, I don't know if you heard that. When the scripture talks about being dead, it's talking about being separated from God. And God is saying, no, I want you to have life and life eternal. So he sends his son to take that punishment on the cross. And you're saying, what does that do for me? He said, if you will believe that when Christ hung on that cross, that he was doing it for you, he was doing it for your transgression, your sin, for the things that you've done wrong, he is taking the punishment and dying, being separated from God when he cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's taken on your sin and now he's separated from God. But scripture says by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is raised out of that death into life eternal and therefore can now give you life eternal. How? By you believing that what he did on the cross was done for you. I'm just gonna ask you this morning, are you following Satan? Are you following God? It's very easy for us to say, I'm not following Satan. I'm not doing that stuff. Oh yeah, I may lie, I may cheat. I may sleep around a little bit, but I'm not following Satan. Yes, you are. Because if you're following God, he gives you new desires. He puts desires in your heart to walk away from those things. So I'm just gonna take a moment right now in the middle of this and say, if you're here this morning and you're not following God, you don't know Christ and what he's done on the cross, you can accept that right now, right here today. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. This is no preacher's trick. I just want you to get alone with you. And I want you to ask the question, am I actually following God? Am I doing what God wants? Am I hearing from his spirit and moving in his ways? Or am I just making my way through life and hoping I'm doing okay? Right now, right here today, 
You can change your eternity. You can step into an eternity with God in life where he guides you, where he directs you, where he sends his spirit to give you a new path, a new way where peace and joy come in. Even in the midst of the storm, you can be calm because his spirit is with you. How do you do that? You right now before God, you just need to say to him, I've rejected you, but today I want to fully accept you. I believe that Jesus died on a cross to take all my offenses before you, God. He took the punishment for me. He was separated from you. And I'm gonna believe that. I'm gonna believe that he rose from the dead. I'm gonna believe that he is now eternally seated with you and can offer me the opportunity to be with you, God, and to follow you. So today, forgive me. Today, I just repent of that past life and now I wanna follow you, Lord. Today, save my soul for eternity. Save me in Jesus' name. Now, here's what I want to say to you. All eyes, please, please stay closed. This decision you've just made is between you and God. And he says, if you've made it, you will confess me before men. But there's another scripture that talks about all of heaven rejoicing when just one comes to know Christ as their Savior. So I just want to know if heaven is having a party right now. So it's between you and me. If you have decided this morning that I've been following Satan and I want to begin following God, would you just raise your hand and let me know so I can see if there's a party going on in heaven? I see you. I see you and you and you. Praise God. Praise God. And you. Praise God. Hey! Hey! This is what I want to say. You can look up here at me. This is what I want to say to those who raised their hand. I saw about six. Those who raised their hand, listen to me. What just happened in the spiritual realm is God looked at you and said, forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are mine. You are mine. The word says he's going to send his Holy Spirit to you so that you can have new desires and walk in new ways with new guidance and eternally with the Father eternally. He will hold you. He will keep you. You don't have to worry about that because all of a sudden you're going to be saying, why don't I want to do those things I used to do anymore? Because he's giving you new desires, new ways. If you're new to Christ this morning, if you raised your hand, we have something for you in our welcome center. It's actually a, a set of books that we want to give you that help you understand the Bible, answer some of the questions that people who are new to Christ answer. We're going to give you a Bible. We're going to tell you about some of our discipleship opportunities, classes, groups you can join, those kind of things. So please stop by the Welcome Center on the way out and someone will hand you one of those bags. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. So... If a third of the angels got cast down to earth and there are still two thirds of the angels in the heavenly realm, how many angels are there? Y'all ready to count? Here we go. Revelation 5:11. Then I looked, John is in the heavenly realm. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. You got it? So now you know. It's a myriad of myriads. 
because every one of you know how much a myriad is. A myriad, scripturally, is 10,000. So hear me out. There are at least 10,000 times 10,000, which would be 100 million, at least. And that's if you don't add to it thousands of thousands, just the myriads of myriad. And there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. And honestly, when myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands is used in scripture, what they're really saying is, I can't count them. It's like you and I saying there's a bazillion of them. I don't know how many that is, but it's a bazillion. It's a bunch. And they are powerful. Boy, this is gonna be so important in a minute. They are powerful. Do you know that in Isaiah 37, it says one angel killed 185,000 men on one day. One angel against 185,000 on one day. Jesus is on the cross and he says, I could have called 12 legions of angels to rescue me and, and they would have come. And in Matthew 26, 53, Jesus says, or do you not think that I can appeal to my father and he will once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? What's a legion? A legion is 6,000. So Jesus was saying, I could have called 72,000 angels to... You're in a garden. Jesus has got maybe a dozen people with him. How many guards do you think they sent out there? 10, 15, 20? So you got 30 people out there surrounded by 72,000 angels? Odds are not good. I want you to consider this. If one angel can kill 185,000 people in one day, then 12 legions could kill 13.3 billion people in one day. It's exciting, isn't it? That's more than the population of the earth. The earth only has around 8 million people. The angelic host, just a portion of them, could wipe out everybody on the earth in one day. Let's take a break, it's lunchtime. Another question I get on a regular basis, do I have a personal angel? Is there a guardian angel that looks over me? There is a reference to it in Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I read that verse to you so you recognize that he's talking to you. You go down to verse 11. For he, God, will give his, God's angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways and they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. That sounds pretty good to me. I'm good. Uh, what that scripture says is that J God puts his angels in charge of something going on around you. In other words, God is saying, hey, you guys, I need you to go down there and I need you to take care of Kevin. Kevin's struggling right now and I need you to surround him. I need you to take care of him. For those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, get angels concerning them. Is it one for one? I don't know. But definitely there are angels who guard and protect us. How do I know that? If you look at the angelic interaction today, let's go to Matthew 18.10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is talking about the children and saying, don't despise them because there are angels in heaven who are standing before the Father to take care of them. I believe this is an indication 
of God's protection of children before they come to know faith. I'll talk about that another time. Hebrews 13, two, do not neglect, this one's fun. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for by this, for by showing hospitality to strangers, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. Dude, that's scary to me. I mean, I think it's phenomenally awesome. I, I look forward to strangers now. You guys are great, but I'd rather meet a stranger because it could be an angel. I know you. But here's the really intriguing part of that verse. He said, you've done it and you don't even know it. So now you begin to think back on all the strange people you've met. (laughs) Angels ministered to Jesus, Mark 1.13. He, Jesus, was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild beast, don't forget that, and the angels were ministering to him. Why were angels ministering to Jesus while there were wild beasts around? Because God was afraid that water buffalo might hurt Jesus. Have you ever looked at that scripture and thought, why are we talking about animals when it comes to Jesus being in the desert and and, and having wild beasts around him? Because the scripture says that Satan was there, but the Greek word used is little beast, savage, brutal, and ferocious in the Greek. And it's the same word used for the beast in Revelation. In other words, the wild beasts are the demonic host. They are the ones who are coming in. There's an entire chapter about the tree where the beast of the fields and the birds of the air come. And most people don't recognize he's talking about the demonic force in those kind of things. But here, the beast that he's referring to around Jesus were the demons who came with Satan to to mess with him in the desert and the angels ministered to him. But here's the scripture for today. Hebrews 1.13. But I say... To which of the angels has he, God, ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? This is a scripture that's asking the question, did God ever say to an angel that you need to sit here until I make the enemies a footstool at your feet? It's a rhetorical question. He's saying God never said that to an angel. He only said that to Jesus. Are you with me? So in 14, he's going to explain what angels do since they're not the ones who sit at his right hand and wait for enemies to be foot at their feet. Here's what angels do. Are they not all ministering spirits? Angels are ministering spirits. You'll notice small s. They're not the Holy Spirit. They are ministering spirits. Watch. You're going to like this part. Sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Ah. All angels are ministering spirits. They are employed by God to do ministry. They have a job. They protect you. They bring messages to you and they help you. They are spirits in the heavenly realm. They are sent out by God who sends them out to render service. That word render service is a diakonia in in the Greek, which is the same word we use for deacons. Deacons help us. They serve us. They coordinate things. This is what angels do for the sake of, Who are they gonna minister to? Those who will inherit salvation. That's you and me. 
All right, let me talk to the six people who raised their hands. That scripture just says, God has angels that he sends to minister to you because you're gonna inherit salvation. In other words, you just stepped into his family and he's got a whole group of ministers in his family and he's gonna send them to you to serve you, to do service for you in the spiritual realm. I'm happy about that. And don't miss this because it's kind of challenging, but the opposite is true. If you're not inheriting salvation, angels aren't ministering to you. You know who is? Demons. Demons are ministering to you because you don't know the Father and you're not protected. That was heavy. Okay. Ministering examples. So if I've got an angelic host that God can dispatch to minister to me, what kind of things do they do? What kind of ministry do they do? Listen, an angel came to Hagar in the desert and told her to go back. An angel led Abram's servant to find a wife for Isaac. An angel led Moses when he was leading the people in the wilderness. An angel came to Manoah and his wife and said, you'll give birth to Samson. An angel, uh, God sent angels to rescue Lot from Sodom. An angel brought food to Elijah when he fled from Jezebel. Angels shut the mouths of the lion in the den for Daniel. Angels showed himself to Balaam's donkey. Angel told Mary uh, that they would bear, that she would bear the son of God. An angel told Joseph to marry Mary. An angel warned Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt after the birth of Jesus. An angel told Zechariah he would have a son named John. When, an, when Jesus was born, a host of angels sang. Angels ministered to Jesus in the Garden of Eden. Angels rolled away the stone from Jesus' tomb. Angels stirred the water at the pool of Bethesda. Angel told the women at the tomb that Jesus was resurrected. An angel was sent to rescue Peter from jail. Angel told Cornelius to call for Peter to come to his house. An angel told Paul that no one would die in the shipwreck. Angels celebrate with joy when someone knows Christ as Savior. In other words, they do a bazillion kind of things. All different kind of things. They're sent to minister, to serve. And, and then in the end times, they have a very specific role. And I believe this is why it was mentioned back in Matthew that they don't know the day or the time that Jesus is gonna return. It says in Mark 13, 24, but in those days after that tribulation, the tribulation we talk about in Revelation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers that are in heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now look at 27. And then he, God, will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect. His elect are the ones following God. His elect from the four winds, from the farthest ends of the earth to the farthest ends of heaven. So hear me out. If you are a child of God and you have not seen an angel, you're going to, you're going to, because when Christ returns, they're going to show up at your workplace and they're going to say, come with me. I got to gather you guys together because it's over and Jesus is coming back. Come on. So why do we study this? Why would we, and, and listen, I, I seriously could have taken six weeks to do just, and I'm sorry it's been such a dump of information, 
But I began to think while I was preparing this and asking the Spirit, why are we doing this? Why do we, why do we need to know about angels? And, and, and this is one of the things he pointed out to me. I am created a little lower than the angel. And what I thought of was if I had a dog. I don't. I don't have a dog. I used to have a dog, but I don't have a dog. But if I have a dog, I know I am created higher than the dog. How do I know that? Because I know the dog has a body and a soul, but doesn't have a spirit. In other words, an angel is a step ahead of me. An angel knows more than I. The angel is in front of God. The angel knows how to be dispatched by God. And I'm not saying we want to emulate them or imitate them. I'm saying I think there's things I can learn from the angelic host. Instead of just waiting for them to come and minister to me and help me out of my jam, pay my credit card bill, there, there's going to be some things about them that I should learn. And one of them was how they worship. Okay, I don't know about you, but I was intrigued by the fact that these angels are around the throne room of God and have been forever. You know what that tells me? They must be worshiping correctly. <laughs> Because God never said, I need you to get away from me. You're not doing it. So I began to study how do they worship? Revelation 5, 11 and 13. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads and myriads, thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, here's the worship. Are you ready? Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in the heaven and the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them. I heard them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. What are they saying? Worthy is Jesus. He's worthy. He's worthy to receive everything he's received. Revelation 7, 11 through 12. And all of the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Did you see it? Worthy is the lamb. Blessing and honor be to our God. Revelation 19, one through six. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice and a great multitude of heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupt on the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bond servants on her. And the second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the living creatures fell down to worship God who sits on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God, all of you bondservants who fear you, the great and the small. And then I heard something like a voice and a great multitude and like a sound of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder saying, hallelujah for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. And what it reminds me is that sometimes we come into worship so we can feel better. And all they're doing is glorifying God. 
All they're doing is trying to make him feel better. All they're saying is all power, all honor, all glory belong to you. This is not about me. This is about you. And so I learned from the angels that my focus in worship has to be him, not coming on Sunday so I get some kind of release and feel better so I can make it through another week, but so that I can tell him all honor belongs to you. All glory belongs to you. There's another thing they do that I want to learn from them. Warfare. They know how to fight. And listen to me. They know how to fight powers and principalities and spiritual forces in dark places. Isn't that what we're told to focus on when we put on our armor of God? Listen to what it says about how they fight. Revelation 12, seven through nine. And there was a war in heaven. It's a scripture I told you I'd go to earlier. Michael and his angels was waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, but they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old who was called the devil and Satan who deceives the world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. What are we saying? We're saying that Michael and his angels currently in the heavenly realm have already overpowered the enemies demons. Why do I have to fear the angelic host, man? They're fighting on my side. Second Kings 6, 15 and 17. Now, when the attendants of the man of God had risen early to go on out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. This is Elijah's servant. He goes out and he sees there's a whole army that's come to get Elijah. And the servant says to him, alas, my master, what are we going to do? And he said, don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. So the servant is saying, what are you talking about? I see the army coming to get us. Who are you talking about? Then Elijah prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray that you'd open his eyes that he could see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. What am I saying? I don't care how big the enemy looks to you. They can be encircled by the amount of angelic host that will come and fight for you. They are chariots of fire. They are power. They are might. Whatever's coming up against you, if you would stop and look in the spiritual realm, there's more of an angelic host around your enemy than your enemy is in number. You'll get excited in a minute, I promise. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflicted you and to give you relief from those who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed in heaven and his mighty angels in flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who don't know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I take no joy in the retribution that comes to those who are not following the Lord. But this is what I do know. I don't have to worry about them because God's got them. God will take care of it. Accept him, reject him. He's going to be involved. So I look at how they worship. I look at how they conduct their warfare. I look at their role in ministering and serving on this earth around us. And I wonder, why do we talk so much about demons? Why are we even concerned about demons? If they're outnumbered two to one and the two has already proven they can completely conquer that one, why do we have anything to be concerned about? 
they bring the word of God to us. They're messengers. Luke 1, 11, an angel told Zacharias his, his wife would have John the Baptist. Came to his house, said, hey, guess what? Your wife's gonna have a baby. Luke 2, 8 and 11, angels tell the shepherds of the birth of Jesus. We're gonna be there next month, standing on the very shepherd's field where the angels came down and said, you need to go into that city because a savior's been born. Angels tell the disciples that he's ascended to heaven in Acts 1. What are you guys looking up into the sky for? He's gonna come back just like he left. John 20, 10 through 14, the angel tells Mary that Jesus isn't in the tomb. Angel, uh, Acts 10, one through five, an angel tells Cornelius, call for Peter. You may be a Gentile, but you're about to be invited into the family of God. Acts 12, an angel gets Peter out of jail. I love the spiritual significance of an angel getting Peter out of his bondage. Because I don't care if it's addiction, depression, anxiety, financial. Angel may just walk into your room and say, come here, I'm gonna get you out of this. I know that because I find it in scripture. Scripture is clear that they are all around us, that they are assigned to minister to us, that they are sent to fight on your behalf, that they could kill everyone on the planet in less than a day. And I just say that to demonstrate their power that they know how to worship God. They know how to speak for God. They know what's going on in the physical realm that we live in because they enter it to give service to us and they know how to fight and win over the demonic. So I don't know about you, but I want them as my best friends. I want them all around me. I wanna be aware of them. I don't wanna disrespect them or disregard them. I wanna say thank you, God, for dispatching help to me. Thank you for ministering me. Thank you for sending that message to me. Thank you for telling me what to do. Thank you for sending a host to gather around me. Thank you for sending a host to gather around my enemy so my enemy cannot attack me. Thank you that I can have confidence in what you're doing, God, through them for me. Listen to me, this is all I wanna say. I start it this way and I'll end it this way. Maybe it's time for the believer to spend more time, twice as much time thinking about the angelic host than you are about the demonic. Stand your feet, please. I'm gonna ask my altar ministers to come forward. Because I believe some of us need some extra help today. Some of us need someone else speaking to us. Some of us just need to lay it out there in front of somebody else and say, here's what I'm struggling with. I am prayed out. I have prayed for it and prayed for it and prayed for it. I prayed for it in different ways. I prayed for it on different days, but nothing is changing. Would you pray for me? Would you stand before God? Let him tell you what I should be praying for or what I haven't done or what can change that I haven't even believed in yet. Maybe you just need somebody else to pray with. Can I just tell you the value of somebody else praying with you? Let me just tell you what happens to most believers. We get into a rut based on what we know. So we only can pray what we know to pray. But the unique thing about having someone else pray for you is they don't know what you know to pray for. They know what they know to pray for. And the Holy Spirit will tell them right up here while you're with them. They've been praying that they would get a new job. 
What they don't know is I'm gonna remove their boss. Maybe you need somebody else to pray for you today. I'm gonna pray and close out the service. And when I do, I'm gonna ask you to come down here and meet with one. These people have been praying all week to pray for you. They've been asking the Holy Spirit, whoever you're sending me this week, get me ready. Give me words, let me help. So when I'm finished praying, if you're here today and you need someone to pray for you, please take advantage of it. Do not get to your car and think, I should have had him pray for my friend. I should have had him pray for my health. I should have had him pray for my marriage or my kids, my job, whatever it is. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you are glorious. You are amazing. You are loving. You are kind. You are generous. You are all powerful and almighty and the perfect father. And we glorify your name this morning. We lift you up. We raise you up. We exalt you as our God. We worship you. And I just ask you to send your spirit right now, right now, and your angelic host, if it be your will, to minister to these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're really excited that Pastor Todd has released his first book of 2023, Love Never Lies. He shares with us how Jesus loves us, but he always tells us the truth about sin and righteousness and how we should act in this world. The world wants to tell us what the Bible says about these things and how our understanding is unloving, even hateful. But we must look for ourselves at the Bible and at Jesus and see that Jesus loves everyone, but he never compromises on truth. This new book is very relevant to all Christians in today's crazy times. Love Never Lies is available on Amazon now. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.